the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. You know, you do something for a day or two or 30 years or so, and all of a sudden they're making fun of you. (laughs) Good afternoon. Longest running, old guy, whatever works for you. Just delighted to have you join us for another edition of Lifeline. We are, of course, here in the stead each Monday through Friday from 5 until 7, addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. Lots to talk about tonight, including a... A little issue coming up in a meeting tomorrow in Washington, D.C., and uh, for those of you that are either current or past government employees or veterans, this may be of interest to you. The the Government Thrift Savings Plan, which serves as essentially the the big 401k, so to speak, for um, retired government employees and military, they're going to meet to talk about reinvestment of funds. And they've got a a bit of a kitty to play with, $550 billion to be exact. And um, in that thrift savings plan, they have, as of 2017, invested a healthy percentage of that in emerging markets. You say, well, what's wrong with that, Craig? A lot of folks invest in emerging markets. Wait until I tell you which emerging markets they are. Frank Gaffney, former Assistant Secretary of Defense under the Reagan administration, will join us. We'll talk about where exactly the TSP is putting its money and whether or not it's a bad idea. That's coming up later on in tonight's program. Brad Dacus will stop by for an update regarding religious liberty as it comes to private schools and homeschooling. And uh, Brian Johnson also stopped by to update us on the... uh, the testimony and hearing, fifth week of the massive Planned Parenthood federal lawsuit against the Center for Medical Progress, and uh, that's ongoing right here in San Francisco. We'll get you a report when Brian Johnston joins us from the National Right to Life Committee. Also, we'll have an update on the Bay Area Rescue Mission. Thanksgiving, yay, coming up in just a couple of short weeks, and uh, we're well on our way to filling the pantry, but I had no idea that 1,500 turkeys um, would be so involved in uh, getting all those procured. But we've got a bit of a challenge, but we plan to uh, to meet that challenge head on with your help. We'll tell you more about it in tonight's program. Speaking of Thanksgiving, are you one of those that'll be traveling? Joel, they're going to let you out, give you a day pass? No? Nothing like that? No? You're stuck here at home? You're not sure? No. You're going away. Going, on an air- going away on an airplane. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Joel is going to get on an airplane with 24,999,999 other people. That's 25 million all told. In fact, according to TSA, uh, Thanksgiving's going to set a record this year for folks that are traveling 
hither and yon. And so uh, we thought, let's spend a moment and give you some insights from a very well-seasoned traveler. Uh, Gabrielle Kulmer is a frequent flyer, traveling pro. Gabrielle, by the way, has lived, studied, and worked in such diverse communities as New York, Paris, London, and Nassau. And so she certainly understands the ins and outs of international and domestic travel and uh, will share some insights. By the way, she's got a new book out uh, very soon, too, about to be a, a published author. And so uh, that's good, uh, good news, too. And, Gabrielle, thank you for being with us tonight. And thank you for having me. It's really a pleasure. Well, this is frightening. Uh, 25 million people getting on board airplanes and uh, traveling to go visit family and friends during the Thanksgiving season. And uh, some folks like yourself that are well-heeled, well-seasoned travelers know all of the do's and don'ts. But for many of us, we do this, you know, just on occasion. And and maybe it's every other year. And my goodness, um, seeing the way TSA seems to be changing the rules of engagement on an ongoing basis, what you can, what you can't do, what you can't check, what you can't bring, airlines doing as well, changes to policies related to um, checked baggage and what you can carry on, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I thought it would be a good time for you to share some of your seasoned travel experience with our listeners to help as best as possible make this a, a, less, a, a less painful experience coming up in just a couple of short weeks. I understand the, the 15th of November kind of begins the peak traveling season, and that will run right through. Uh, Thanksgiving week and of course everybody heading back into town the Sunday after yes definitely so, so um, talk to us a bit about some of the first some of your your experienced traveler top do's and don'ts what are some of the areas that folks you see uh, traveling tend to make huge mistakes on well first there are so many bikes uh, very heavy bikes having to pay extra fees on that also trying to get last-minute deals, and obviously all of the um, seats and all of the airlines are full. Also trying to uh, travel at a certain time of the day where it's very hectic at the airport. So I think there are certain ways that you can alleviate all the stress, and that would be trying to travel in the mornings, uh, trying to book your plane tickets ahead of time, trying to get a flexible rate, and researching exactly what you're getting with the price that you're paying so that you could know when you get to the airport um, exactly what you're allowed to bring. Yeah, and and certainly checking with each airline to find out their individual policies uh, perhaps is a good idea. I've sort of, traveling both domestically and abroad, found out that not all airlines seem to be equal when it comes to what they will and won't allow. Exactly, and some and some airlines now have different economy um, levels. So, therefore, if you uh, buy the cheapest rate, you may not be able to. You have to pay for extra bags, and also check in bags as well. So, I think um, you know, really research and plan ahead, and research the weather and what uh, you know the weather forecast, and especially how you're going to get from A to B because uh, the streets and the roads always blocked and you know tr- full of traffic. So really plan ahead and research. I have this vision of 25 million people traveling, and everybody's got a checked piece of luggage and uh, trying to manage all of that, a little bit more complicated than Santa Claus dealing with the packages <laughs> on on Christmas Eve to all the good little boys around the country. Joel will not be getting a gift, I understand, this year. And, and so in my mind, does it make more sense to 
do a carry-on as opposed to a checked bag just because you might only be at grandma and grandpa's for a few days and waiting for your luggage, hoping your luggage will will somehow arrive uh, after you get there might be a little bit nerve-wracking. But then I have to wonder, I see so many people bringing so much stuff aboard the airplane that that seems to be pretty inconvenient, too. Exactly. So make sure that your um, carry-on has certain dimensions and you know, so that it can fit overhead or underneath the seat in front of you. And um, definitely an overnight is better than taking something, you know, a large piece of a, like, a luggage for three days. Indeed so. And um, what about in terms of time to get to the airport? I know that um, domestic flight... Um, not quite as complicated as you have to deal with uh, traveling abroad. You have to get, you know, passports and things of this sort. But during these peak travel seasons, what do you recommend in terms of how early before our flight departs should we plan to be at the airport so we can get through uh, security and get to the gate and check our luggage and all that? Well, I think the suggested amount of time is three hours ahead of time. Wow. However, if you do have sort of like an online check-in, um, is ability with your airline, I think it might be about an hour less than that. But definitely, you know, there are going to be more lines, so you really want to be early rather than late and safer rather than sorry. And, Gabrielle, do you recommend that, the ability to to maybe check in the night before from the computer at home and and even print out the boarding pass as opposed to getting in a line with, uh, you know, a thousand other people and and trying to accomplish all that at the airport? Oh, definitely, especially if it's, um, you know, domestic uh, travel. And also, it's good for um, international travel as well, but there'll be more checks. So, but, you know, for both, both types of travel, do check in online if you can. If you can't, don't worry about it. Just get there ahead of time. Seat, uh, seat assignments, always the one thing that bothers me uh, because I'm, I'm one of those that I prefer to be on an aisle seat. I like to stretch my legs, um, and I don't have to, you know, get permission to go to the restroom when, uh, when, I, when I desire to do so. But some of the airlines are beginning to even charge for the ability of, of setting assigned seating, aren't they? Oh, definitely. So I think the best thing to do would be if you have a frequent flyer program, to definitely try to utilize those over the holiday season so that you have more reassurance that what you're going to choose you'll get because of your, you know, privilege of being a member with the airline for so long. Uh, that's the best thing so that you'll be worry-free about that sort of thing. Otherwise, uh, have an open mind. You never know when someone's going to ask you to change the seat so they can sit next to, you know, a loved one or a child or, you know, be with their family. So, you know, try to have your... Um, just be flexible, even though you know that you have something that you prefer. Even if it's a short flight, that'd be okay. And, and I guess maybe that's sort of the, the adult perspective on this, isn't there? Uh, uh, the notion that while it's great to have the whole family together, and of course we'd all like to get on the plane and get off the plane all at the same time, uh, sometimes, especially if you're traveling with a large family, trying to get groups of seats all in the same cluster together might be a little bit problematic. So is is it uh, is it more advisable just to make it a less painful experience, just to take the, they've given you a seat, you're all the plane's all going to arrive at the same time. It's not like somebody's going to get there in the family four hours ahead of the other. Does it make more sense just to kind of go with the flow? I think so, unless you're with, you know, very young children or someone who has special needs. I think, you know, if it's a shorter flight, definitely, uh, because you just don't know why they have certain people uh, seated in certain rows anyway, because the person you may ask to move, they might have a reason for being there that's, you know, sort of very important to the airline. So I think, um, you know, just try to everybody be considerate during that uh, time period. 
Frequent Flyer Travel Pro, Gabrielle Kulmer is with us today. Gabrielle, by the way, has uh, two Master of Law degrees uh, from Northwestern as well as University College London and is licensed to practice law in three different countries. So if you want to sue somebody in multiple locations, <laughs> Gabrielle is the one to call. Hey, let's take a quick time out. We're going to come back with more of our do's and don'ts. Tips for more pleasant airline travel this Thanksgiving as the Tuesday edition of Lifeline continues. 517, and of course that sound means it's time to check up on traffic, get you some insights on the ride home from the KFAX Traffic Center. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Leaving on a jet plane. Don't know when we're going to be back again. Oh, maybe you do have return plans. <laughs> Thanksgiving travel. We're talking with Gabrielle Kulmer, frequent flyer and travel pro. And, uh, Gabrielle, let's talk about some of the other basics here. Uh, the one thing Californians need to be mindful of, and that is that uh, soon, I think it's October of 2020, if we have just a regular driver's license, we will not be able to aboard an airplane. So I guess we need to be, uh, while not so mindful for this Thanksgiving, be mindful that in a year's time, if you don't have the approved driver's license, you have to have a passport or they're not letting you get on board. Definitely. And, uh, you know, these um, regulations do come up, but you still you have to take them with a grain of salt. Just adhere to the requirements and still enjoy your travel. Getting through security. Now, the smart folks will have something like the TSA pre-check so they can kind of scooch on by. Most people that travel uh, infrequently probably won't have that kind of membership. I, I always find that a painful experience because you get dressed to go to the airport. Then you get to the airport, you have to get undressed, take your shoes off, take your belt off. Usually my pants fall down. So it's it's not a pretty sight all the way around. Any tips in terms of just the ease of getting through that long line and getting past the x-ray machines and to the other side? Well, yes, just take the bare essentials, just just what you need, nothing more, nothing complicated, um, you know, and dress, you know, you can dress very casually and comfortably, and, um, you know, just remember to remove, you know, your jacket and anything else that might, you know, appear to be, you know, uh, you know uh, to hurt the screening process. And just, you know, glide right through. So just everything just streamlined and, you know, organized and put in the right place. And so when you go through, it's just like a fresh breath of fresh air. For and I guess we need to be mindful, too. You know, Grandma doesn't need to know about your brand new expensive watch or the gold necklace. I, I see a lot of delays of people forget to ting a, take a ring off and it beeps or, oh, they've got a, a, a chain on underneath their shirt and that beeps. And so they tend to go back and forth, back and forth. So I guess just trying to keep as much metal off of your body, passing through the scanner as possible uh, to make things as least complicated going through that whole screening is is maybe the best advice, I guess. Definitely. Anything to speed up the process. And, you know, as you said, nobody's really, no one can notice and no one is going to be impressed anyway because everybody's trying to get just get through. Um, so, you know, just 
try to keep everything down to the basics and you'll be fine. And finally, for the seasoned traveler like you, um, dealing with delays and cancellations, it probably you, you, you kind of mentally build that experience in. But when you've got limited time and you're trying to rush to get back to, you know, Rochester, New York, and weather in California is 75 degrees and halfway across the country it's a blizzard, and then you find out on your layover in Denver or Dallas or Chicago that you're going no further, what's the best way to manage delays and cancellations that put such a, 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 a negative impact on your traveling experience? I think you just remain calm uh, because, you know, that's very important because you think more clearly and then you can think about other routes that you can take. You go to the information desk and obviously somebody will be there to help you and assist you with a different route. And, you know, if it's a few hours later, you just have to remember that it's better to be late than, you know, never arrive. So it's probably you know, just be calm and, you know, it'll all work out in the end. But um, you just have to, at that point, you you know, there's really little that you can do personally. You have to still rely on the airlines to help you through with that. And, and I found, at least for myself, on the rare occasions that I've gotten stuck somewhere, uh, it, it might take a good while to get through the line to the counter to talk to uh, an agent to find out what the other options are. Sometimes while you're in line, hopping on the cell phone and calling the ticket office uh, might be able to expedite that. I've had a couple of occasions where I've been able to kind of circumvent the whole wait in line because on, over the phone they were able to get me rebooked and about my way. Exactly. And, you know, someone like myself, obviously, if I have several different frequent flyer, um, you know, mileage points and everything else, I can probably, you know, anyone like that can get on as well, um, you know, just with a different airline. So, I mean, there are options, but, you know, we can, first, the first thing is to see exactly what uh, the airline can do. And then if not, then obviously you can get on your way just how you decide to do. So. Sounds like good, solid advice, and uh, coming from an expert like you, very much appreciated. So I hope everybody took copious notes. Uh, Gabrielle Coomer, frequent flyer, travel pro, author of the soon-to-be-released Easing Distractions, a new book out, and uh, we appreciate so much the time and the insights here today. Gabrielle Coomer, information on the web at GabrielleFCoomer, C-U-L-M-E-R dot com. All right, we're going to... Um, can we take a little bit of a timeout early? Can we do that? We're going to take a little early timeout because when we come back, I'm going to have an update for you on our progress to meet the needs of needy families this Thanksgiving at here in the Bay Area as Lifeline continues. Traffic now from the KFAX Traffic Center. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the program. And uh, let me just give you a quick update on our campaign to provide meals for needy families this Thanksgiving. When last we met, we were successful in raising the necessary resources to uh, go towards purchasing all of the turkeys, 1,500 plus all the fixings are necessary. And uh, we've got about 270 families that so far have been adopted. I'd like to see if we can't try to take that 
number up to 300 families tonight. Uh, remember, when you give a gift of $40, that'll provide a needy family with a box of hope. This box is filled with traditional Thanksgiving feast that'll feed the average family of four about 20 meals um, uh, for per family. A gift tonight of $80 will provide Thanksgiving boxes of hope for two needy families, and a $120 gift will provide Thanksgiving boxes of hope for three needy families. Now, overall, our goal this Thanksgiving season is to provide enough meals to help 700 needy Bay Area families. Some of these families are not only hurting financially, but they're they're hurting because they've gone through challenging times, the loss of a job, oftentimes means a loss of a home. Maybe there has been an issue of domestic violence that has forced a woman out of the home. And so during this season, they find themselves in very difficult, as I say, challenging sets of circumstances. Here's one example. Uh, We met up with Karen. Karen lives in a car and her only companionship, seemingly, is her dog. The hardest thing is the loneliness. I am so fortunate that I have Angel and that I have someone to take care of besides myself. It gives me a reason to get up and, and, and take care of him and take care of myself. Um, but I, I thank God for my car, that I do have a car. And um, but even so, the, um, the feeling invisible that, you know, one time I worked and I had an important job. And now if I speak to someone in a day, it's a rarity. Um, it's for my own doing. I was saying earlier how... Um, I hadn't spoken to anybody all day today, and I was cleaning out my car, and a dog came into the park, and everybody in the park all of a sudden stood up to watch this dog. Of course, I did to protect my dog, but all of a sudden, that dog was so visible, and I wasn't. It just amazing how powerful that dog was and how small I felt. Oh, wow. Feeling invisible. How small she felt because everybody was paying attention to this dog that had come into the park. Um, I don't know if you've ever had times in your life where you felt invisible, but a lot of these nitty families here in the Bay Area feel invisible, um, just as Karen does. Your gift tonight will help make a difference by not just providing meals at Thanksgiving, but also the gift of hope. Toll-free number to call to make your pledge right now is 888-367-5329. That's 888-367-5329. Now, poor Joel is back there by his lonesome, so if 50 of you call all at once... um, (laughs) <laughs> He'll have his hands full. Uh, but you can go online anytime to give your gift if you go to kfax.com and look for the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner at the top of our homepage. That's at kfax.com. Or if you've got the KFAX app on your cell phone, and I certainly hope you do, you can simply tap the app and securely give your gift via your cell phone. Again, $40 gift will provide a needy family with a box of hope filled with a traditional Thanksgiving feast that will feed the average family of four, supplying about enough food for 20 meals per family. An $80 gift will help adopt 
two needy families here in the Bay Area. And your one-time gift tonight of $120 will provide Thanksgiving boxes of hope for three needy Bay Area families. 888-367-5329 with any major credit card. And, of course, every dollar you give is fully tax-deductible. 888-367-5329. That's 888-367-5329. Or online anytime at kfax.com. Let's talk a bit bit about um, retirement planning. I know you're thinking, what an odd transition, Craig. But wait, I'll get to my point. Um, If you have engaged in managing your retirement funds or sat down with a financial advisor, you've probably had discussions about investing money in so-called emerging markets. These are countries that are are sort of uh, coming into the forefront in industrialization and and, uh, the production and marketing of goods. Uh, Countries like China, Vietnam, Cambodia, um, even many of the former USSR nation states, Ukraine, Russia, others, uh, would be considered part of the emerging markets. And for a long time, that was the place to have your money in the equity markets. But there's been recent reconsideration, and rightfully so, as to whether or not some of the emerging markets are really the best place to put retirement dollars, particularly because some of these emerging markets are decidedly against the principles that we as Americans hold dear. Um, Let's get some more insight as to what's problematic about this, a meeting that will be taking place tomorrow related to not millions, but billions of dollars that might even belong to you if you were a United States veteran or retirement or currently working government employee with money associated with the Thrift Savings Plan. Frank Gaffney joins us, President and CEO of the Center for Security Policy. Frank, by the way, formerly acted as the Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Policy during the Reagan administration. And, Frank, it's always a privilege to have you join us. The privilege is mine, Craig. It's great to be with you. You know, I wasn't even aware of this until I saw a story that appeared at uh, the Center for Security Policy's website at centerforsecuritypolicy.org that um, sort of pulls the... the uh, the covering back and reveals the fact that retirement funds invested in communist Chinese companies in particular uh, to the tunes of all, all told $550 billion. And a lot of these companies, most all of which are controlled by high-level party officials or owned outright by the People's Liberation Army, well, let's face it, they, we're, we're essentially giving billions of dollars to help invest and further the cause of communism. Communism is one way to put it. Um, It's a totalitarian system, of course, and among the features of that totalitarian system are brutal repression of the people of China, most especially minorities, uh, faith communities, uh, like Christians in particular. But the Chinese people in general are now being subjected, thanks to technologies that companies like Hike Vision are bringing to bear um, these millions and millions and millions of uh, surveillance cameras and uh, artificial intelligence, facial and gait recognition, and the data mining that enables all of that um, 
information to be translated in real time into um, the tracking and oftentimes the repressing of the people of China. Again, as you said, you know, an affront to our values as people. Well, and they moved into this whole, uh, you know, social credits thing now where they're literally tracking people. Um, If you uh, jaywalk, that goes against your record. If you're caught, you know, committing even the most minuscule of of crimes, petty theft, things of this sort. And that's giving the Chinese government authority the ability to essentially punish their people, keep them in line. It can impact everything from their ability to have housing to even their ability to get a job. Well, as you say, this social credit score system um, doesn't even necessarily involve criminal activity. It may be that you're simply not towing the party line. And if that's the case, you can be deprived of everything from, you know, a job, uh, career advancement opportunities, education uh, for your children, perhaps, uh, even, you know, as petty things as um, airline tickets or, uh, you know, food. This is an instrument of repression on an unprecedented scale, Orwell, on his most imaginative worst day. I don't think could have imagined something as comprehensive as this. And it's being financed in part by funds that are currently already migrating from the U.S. capital markets into companies like Hike Vision. And what you elevated, and I'm so appreciative of you doing so, Craig, is the fact that a whole other category of American investors may, starting very soon, unless this uh, so-called Federal Retirement Thrift Investment Board which oversees the federal retirement system known as the Thrift Savings Plan, changes its mind tomorrow. If they don't, you're going to have, as you've said, um, not only American uh, government employees, uh, past and present, including military personnel, investing in companies like Hikvision, they're going to be compelled to invest in companies that are engaged in building weapons that will be used against our men and women in uniform, for heaven's sakes, and and perhaps the rest of us as well. This is unimaginable, and yet it's happening right now and could happen to these, uh, these federal employees. This, this uh, certainly, Frank, goes beyond uh, absolute uh, tragedy in, in the sense, and you've alluded to it, that many of these men and women that have served in the United States military uh, have engaged part of their career in not only defending the freedom and values of the United States, but sometimes in, in engagement with some of these brutal dictatorships and countries that, that are just the polar opposite of the values that we hold dear. And what what's so terribly troubling about this, and full disclosure, I've had the opportunity to travel in and out of China on more than a half a dozen occasions and, and um, spend good amounts of time there and get a chance to understand not just the people in the culture, but what goes on within the communist Chinese system. And I was shocked early on in the early days, I'm going back now into the mid-90s, when China was not quite yet the industrial power it is today, but it was beginning to head in that direction. And we would find out that, well, this major company, that's owned by the People's Liberation Army. And that major corporation, well, the president and and primary owner uh, sits uh, as a Communist Party official. And you find out that 
you're buying products that are going to directly benefit and, and undergird, so to speak, uh, the, the, the brutal dictatorships uh, in, within the, the uh, communist Chinese system. And I would imagine that it would be a shock and horror for many retired military personnel to find out that, yes, part of their retirement dollars are being invested in and essentially, therefore, you know, ipso facto, by default, um, undergirding or supporting this system by providing it the dollars that it runs on. That's exactly right. We're talking here about primarily... Um, what are known as indexed funds, uh, passive investment vehicles, not individuals going out and saying, I want to invest in TechVision or in uh, uh, Huawei or Alibaba or other things. You're talking about um, essentially anonymous individuals who put together these indexes, and they're making decisions as to what will be included in these portfolios, and then somebody like the Thrift Savings Plan or uh, the California State Employees Fund, the CalPERS, or the Teachers Fund out there, or some other institutional investor, simply buys that index, and boom, the next thing you know, your retirement funds are, as you say, investing in and underwriting and otherwise enabling things that you will find not only probably quite reprehensible, but deeply offensive to your own sense of justice or human rights or national security. Well, and certainly, for example, Frank, many of the listeners to this program, they engage in in what I'll call, for want of a better term at the moment, values investing, meaning that as they choose um, even the stock funds, the index funds that they're in, they're not buying necessarily, as you point out, individual stocks in, you know, Coca-Cola or Pepsi or whatever, but they're, they're buying funds. But they look at the companies that make up those funds and they like to know, okay, am I investing in pharmaceuticals that includes a company that provides and manufactures RU486, for example, the abortifacient? Or am I investing in a, in a fund that also has money in the tobacco industry? And, uh, you know, I, I'm against, uh, uh, you know, uh, promoting the, the use of tobacco, particularly amongst minors. And so people oftentimes will want to make sure that the companies that they are investing in are, in fact, in harmony with their values. And so this is essentially what we're talking about, but it's not just uh, individual um, values, but the values we hold dear as a nation. And to think that potentially billions of dollars belonging to veterans and government employees, both current workers and retirees um, that benefit from the thrift savings plan may in fact have some of those dollars coming to them uh, by supporting um, some of these rogue dictatorships and uh, uh, communist countries like China, and I, I think arguably so, even Russia, um, very problematic. The big question is, what can we do about it? Let's work our way through that part of this troubling equation. Frank Gaffney is with us tonight. Frank is the president and CEO of the Center for Security Policy. He's acted as the Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Policy during the Reagan administration and uh, joins us tonight to talk about 
a very important meeting that will be taking place, in fact, beginning tomorrow, Wednesday, when there is the potential um, reaffirming or re-upping of this policy that has, since 2017, permitted the investment of thrift savings plan retirement dollars, those that essentially fund the retirements of veterans and government employees, into emerging market sectors that are not limited to just our true allies, but even include a lot of our moral and intellectual enemies. We'll get back to more of the conversation and what we should do as Lifeline continues. Right now at 550, we'll get you an update on traffic. Once again, swing over to the KFAX Traffic Center for the latest. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. $550 billion. That is the amount of investing power that the federal government has within the confines of the Thrift Savings Plan, which benefits both veterans and government employee retirement funds. A lot of that money has been authorized since 2017 to be invested in Chinese and Russian companies. Given the relationships that we have with those nations, and in particular, um, the, the, the vast human rights violations that have taken place in both nations. Does it make sense for Americans, and particularly those that are involved in serving our country through the United States military, that you should be having their retirement dollars going to essentially benefit financially countries like China or Russia? My guest today, Frank Gaffney, argues no. He is the president and CEO of the Center for Security Policy. And Mr. Gaffney acted as the Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Policy during the Reagan administration. Uh, Frank, let's let's talk about, uh, I I guess, the the reality here that there's going to be a meeting discussing re-upping this starting tomorrow. I understand that as recent as May, Congressman Jim Banks of Indiana had introduced some legislation that would prevent thrift savings plan funds from being invested in Chinese and Russian companies. Where does that legislation stand? Let me just do one small clarification. Uh, There's a bit of good news, and that is that while the decision was taken by the so-called Federal Retirement Thrift Investment Board back in 2017, it hasn't gone into effect just yet. Ah. So none of these funds has been compromised yet. Tomorrow, that decision probably will be affirmed, though, and that would set in train, uh, unless other things intervene, perhaps legislation, perhaps action by President Trump or others, then sometime in 2020, those military personnel, active duty, veterans, government employees, civilian as well, would begin migrating in large amounts, and we're talking about billions of dollars uh, to these Chinese companies, again, some of which are, um, you know, building islands in the South China Sea, for example, or are engaged in proliferation activities that causes it to be illegal to do business with them. Well, how about even these companies that are using oftentimes slave labor to produce the products that they turn around and sell in the United States? Surely there are some there, too. So you asked the question about the legislation that Congressman Jim Banks has introduced. Um, That legislation has been introduced in the House, but it has not gone anywhere. As far as I can tell, it has not been considered 
in uh, in committee, let alone been scheduled for action on the floor. Yeah, now. Nancy Pelosi's a bit distracted these days, huh? Well, she's got other things on her mind, that's mm, for sure. Yeah. Um, but she professes to be very concerned about Tibet. And the Tibetans are among those who are getting very badly treated as a result of these kinds of investments by other American investors, as I say, CalPERS and CalSTRS and pension funds and institutional investors elsewhere. But here's the thing. Um, Marco Rubio and Jean Shaheen uh, have led a bipartisan group of senators introducing a similar kind of legislation. It's not identical to Jim Banks, but similar. So we now have in both the House and the Senate legislative initiatives that are ready to be taken up if uh, the will is there to do so. And that's where individuals like your listeners come in. If they will make known that they care about this and they don't want this kind of, well, abuse. I mean, here we, just yesterday we were honoring our veterans. Imagine tomorrow we're going to stick it to them in this fashion. I would commend to them if they care to get engaged, um, a petition that we have at a website called presentdangerchina.org. Presentdangerchina.org. That is the website of a group that I work with called the Committee on the Present Danger China, which is all about trying to raise awareness about what the Chinese are up to as they wage really unrestricted warfare, they call it, against us, and how we can push back, including by stopping the underwriting of their most dangerous uh, activities, uh, whether it's from a human rights point of view or from a national security point of view. Let me give you an example. We've got dependency on China for medicine. Most Americans are totally unaware of this. Most generic drugs that we take in every day, many of us, our lives depend upon those drugs, are manufactured in China. With all the problems that we've had with everything from dog food to drywall with adulteration of products, imagine if they could poison us through drugs. And in fact, they have done some of that already. Americans have actually died as a result. We shouldn't be investing in companies that manufacture those drugs or or otherwise supporting the Chinese Communist Party that engages in this kind of behavior. Well, sadly, many, many years ago, we opened up the door to economic engagement with China, and uh, we really failed to remember and analyze who exactly it was that we were dealing with and that we have, as a result, ended up um, building up this strong man that now is potentially in a place to, uh, to even knock us on the jaw. Um, and, and ironically, our neighbors to the south, with whom we share much in common, would have been the perfect place to do investing if you want to talk about um, manufacturing and things of this sort. And we ignored that market and instead helped build up communist China. And the president is doing what he can to address the the imbalance of trade. But this is a big, big issue to deal with, and it's a war that has to be fought on multiple fronts. PresentDangerChina.org, a great place to go and get more information and be informed on this topic. And I I think certainly um, in support of the legislation that was put forward by Congressman Jim Banks, maybe a note to your member of the House of Representatives saying, hey, when when you get done chasing ghosts, can you maybe take care of some serious work for a change and support something like the bill put forward by 
Congressman Jim Banks that would prevent thrift savings plan funds from being invested in Chinese and Russian companies. Our thanks to Frank Daphne for the insights, and uh, it's troubling. It certainly is. PresentDangerChina.org. That's PresentDangerChina.org. Frank Gaffney, President and CEO of the Center for Security Policy. Frank, we appreciate the great work that you're doing, and we appreciate also your taking some time to educate us on this important topic. 601, let's get caught up on traffic. We'll do it right now from the KFAX Traffic Center.